Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week on the podcast, we are playing a Hall of Fame episode for you all because Andy and I are working on the very first Uncharted Culture Conference. This is episode 113, Where Do You Find New Hires? We were talking about some discussion in some of the manager groups that I'm in about the fact that everybody seems to be super short-staffed. Nobody can find uh, team members and they're asking, where do I find people? Let's dive into this one. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, (laughs) Goss. That is a very good one. I love it. No, uh, I tried. I tried. (laughs) How's it going? How are you doing today? Oh. So good. I had yesterday mm-hmm. the first open appointment slot that I have had in a year. Really? Like, yeah. Like it was a a, a blocked, you know, slot uh-huh. that did not get just filled. Um, and it, like, you know, stuff, I've had stuff where, you know, people, people no show or, you know, yeah. cancel at the mat last minute, something like that. This is the first time that there was a block that just never had an appointment put into it, even through the day. And all the way up to the moment, I was like, all right, I wonder, I was just like, this is, this is a grab bag. Like this is going to be, you know, I wait to see what monstrosity comes out of this appointment slot. Right. Um, Nothing. It didn't come. And I'm like, what does that mean? Is that the beginning of a return to normalcy? Probably not. It probably means absolutely nothing. But, but it was still, I was just like, wow. You know what? You know what that. This is what it's like. You know what that means. That means that you actually your team has five minutes to catch up on phone calls and to actually pee when they might have to pee. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like it's so funny. It's so it's so funny to me because that 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 can be a panic button for so many of us like oh my god you know this is the sky gonna start falling now because you know we had one one appointment not filled and it's it's so funny to me because I've always looked at that as like you know let's take the half hour let's catch up let's catch our breath if we don't have things to catch up on if we're caught up like let's pick something to train on let's you know take take advantage of the time um but it is interesting when it happens and you're you're so caught off guard because it's so yeah. out of the ordinary right like well, we're all so used to going full full speed with with the rarity that it is right now no ain't nobody ain't nobody training <laughs> in the one 20 minute block we just stood there like oh, this is great <laughs> Run we, just so- we just soaked it up like yeah that's when it's like, hey, we've got 20 minutes. I'm going to go do a Starbucks run. Who wants something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Oh, oh man. Let's um let's let's tackle this. We got um we got some mailbag stuff. Yeah. Uh, essentially, we got we got one question spammed at us from like 87 <laughs> different people. And so let's we just copied like two of them. Yeah. And we're like, they're the same thing. So, let's, ba- let's talk about this. so basically, we've been getting a bunch of messages Uh varying varying takes on the same theme which is everyone is short-staffed and everyone is struggling to find in particular doctors and technicians and so we're getting asked like how do I find uh credentialed staff technicians and doctors um get Mm -hmm. it gets asked a ton but really the overall messaging from everybody is I can't find people 
what what right. do, where where do I find good people? I have every I mean, this this is me, my current practice. We have every single role in the practice has an opening right now. And everybody is tired and burning out. And so how do we solve the short staffing crisis in veterinary medicine? This this is this is everywhere. So let's start off with uh, a little bit of validation, because I think that does help people. Absolutely. Uh, you are not alone feeling this. This is not you or your practice. It's not that you are not wonderful. It is not that you do not deserve help. It is none of that. Mm-hmm. We are in the midst of the greatest surge in workload in the history of veterinary medicine. Yep. And at the same time, we have a national slash international shortage of both veterinarians and licensed vet techs. Yes. So those are the this is the perfect storm of huge surge in workload hitting at a time when we're understaffed yep. and we do not have enough veterinarians working our current model of medicine to uh to do it. And so just start by going, yep, this is not your ship that's taking on water. This is a, a tsunami that is raining on all the boats. So everybody is feeling this. It is not yours. So at least feel some comfort in that regard. Yes. A hundred percent. Every time somebody posts in one of the groups I'm in and asks the question of how do you deal with being shorthanded? How, where do you find the people? I'm like, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, er, yeah, everybody, look, here's, here's the unfortunate thing too. We've all seen these questions asked a million times. I've heard them mm-hmm. in lectures mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, online workshops, on every Facebook group and all everything. Look, there's not an easy answer. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone asks and everyone jumps <laughs> in and goes, I'm wondering this too. If there was an easy answer, this would not have been the number one question in yeah. veterinary medicine for the last year. Yeah. Uh, j- just, you know, and again, it's like, there's not, there's not a website that you haven't heard of. Right. That has... <laughs> That has waiting vet techs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you didn't know about vettechjobs.com? Everybody's there. It's so funny because that is that is one of the questions that gets asked so regularly. It's like, I've been searching for two years to find a vet. Like, am I just not looking in the right place? And and repeatedly, everybody's like, there's no, there's no magical place. You right. know, there's, there's, not a place. there's no magical place where they're all just living, waiting for you to come find them. It's not it's not the platform. It's a it's right. a systemic lack of candidates. Yeah, totally. Now, that that said, I don't know how deep we'll go into this rabbit hole today. Uh, there are there are common sense things we do. To, to hire people, mm-hmm. right? Like we, uh, we, we promote our position in multiple places and there are best practices and there are places that you can put your stuff. There is not a magic one. There is not one that if you don't post in it, then you're not going to get a person, right? right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like you need to come up with a good job applicant, right? Uh, or job description. Like you need to come up with an ad that makes people work for you. And honestly, that is a thing that a lot of people do not do. And we could do a whole episode on yes. writing job ads that yes. actually work. <laughs> the, the big thing, I'll give you the, the short Andy Rourke version of it is, um, imagine that you are the job applicant 
and you don't know you and you don't care about you and you don't care about your practice. You're just trying to find a good place to work that will make you happy and make you feel like you do work that matters in this world. Uh And if you can write a job description to that and tell this person why they should work for you and not the two other closest vet clinics to you, then you've probably got a pretty good job ad, you know? But it's amazing how often that is not done. That that simple thing is not done. It's like Mm -hmm. searching for veterinary technician, a standard benefits, uh, quality care offered, (laughs) you know, and that's it. It's like when it's like when you look at the website and the pictures of the building, like all the buildings look the same. I mean, they all look different, but ultimately they're all a building. Right. And that's I agree with you. And that's the thing I look at so many ads and I'm like, you're all you're not telling me anything that shouldn't be standard in this day and age in business or veterinary hospitals. So I I agree with you that the rabbit hole we're going to go down to down today has nothing to do with how to do a job ad. But that is absolutely something if you're struggling that I would suggest looking at and asking your your friends in the field uh, for for help for sure, because it's something a lot of people struggle with. I'm getting ready to do a personal branding workshop for Uncharted. It's on March 28th. It is uh, free to Uncharted members, open to the public. I just did it at NC State for the vet students on personal branding as a doctor. And it it went great. I'm really, really excited to do it. Personal branding is is where my head is right now. Personal, it's just marketing, right? Like good personal branding is just marketing. It's, it's, It's growing your reputation. It's knowing what you want and where you're trying to go and what makes you different from other people who do what you do. I think the workshop's going to be really, really good. But it also just reminded me, it's been a while since I've just done basic marketing for veterinary practices. And I think we may need to go back to that because all the things we talk about when we talk about marketing practices and we talk about marketing a client, those are principles that hold true in, in marketing to job candidates, right? Like, why should your client come to this practice as opposed to the other practices in the area? Well, uh, probably the same reason that someone should come and work at this practice as opposed to other, you know, clinics in the area. And we, I, I think I don't know that vet clinics do a very good job of thinking in that headspace. And I, I think that it may be something we need to circle back around and start doing some more workshops on and uncharted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree. So if we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, what are we, uh, what are we talk about today? We're going to talk about the alternatives to being able to hire people. Let's just say that we don't have a magic bullet and you know that that is going to get you what you need right now. Yeah. And let's talk to the biggest number of people. And those are the people who are doing most things right yes. and still not getting uh, a job candidate because yeah. life must go on. And the biggest danger that I see for most practices is not I can't hire someone. It is the it is um I can't hire someone and I refuse to consider changing the way I'm running my business. And that is the biggest danger, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I refuse to admit that I don't have enough people to do what I want to do. And I, and, and as such, I'm just going to charge full speed ahead, hoping that I can hire someone, even though experience tells me that is, uh, long odds. Well, and I think the reality is, I, I mean, I'm I'm involved in in a lot of 
groups in our space. And unfortunately, I think that's where so many practices are. They Mm -hmm. have their head in the sand on this and have for quite some time. And I think for a lot of people in the beginning of the pandemic, it really forced us to think about how do we have to change? Like we have to change. We have to evolve. And we got good at thinking about how do we preserve our teams? We broke into teams. We worked shorthanded. Mm -hmm. We, we did things that we never would have considered doing before the pandemic to try and preserve the health and well-being of our teams. And yet now, almost a year into this, there are a vast majority, and I would say that it's actually the majority of a lot of the hospitals in veterinary medicine who have their head buried in the sand and are trying to chug along shorthanded and not changing their business model to be something that is sustainable, whether it's for the doctors, the owners, the team, all of the above. And honestly, the clients are impacted by it as well. And so I think this is this is going to be probably a hard truth episode for some people to hear mm-hmm. because we don't want to admit that our heads are in the sand. Right. You know, we don't want to admit that we put we're knowingly putting the blinders on. We're knowingly making choices that are burning out our teams. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me let me let me let me take the other side here just for a moment, because these are my people uh, and you know me and you have worked with me for years now. Yeah. And you know that I am someone who panics and works harder. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that is my go to button of things are not working. I must work harder. Sure. You know, and and that is that is a thing and that is how I'm wired and I'm not alone in that. And so I, I think, I think for me, I, I don't tend to think of it as putting the blinders on. I, I think of it is that like, I have one tool that I'm very comfortable with and that is hard work. And when I get in trouble, I work hard. And this is a scenario where at some point, Andy, you can't work your way out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there is, I, I, I just, I cannot see all the pets. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's not woeful, you know, like ignorance of that. It's just, I, I, it requires a shift in mind uh, to, to, to just to, to, to zoom out. It's a, it's about this. It is the microscopic focus of I will see the next appointment. I will see the next appointment. I will see the next appointment after that. Versus at some point you have to lift your head up and look and go, look at this line. I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't work fast. Like there's more of them getting in line. Right. Then I'm pushing out the back of the line, yeah. you know, like, yeah. And it's not going to change. And that is a painful reality. And um, a lot of times it, it requires a strategic look as opposed to a get stuff done look that that is so common in vet medicine and, yes and like so yeah I, I don't i don't want to be mean to people and i don't think you were or, or, or but but i i i, I get it like i, I get it mm-hmm. uh and that's why i do feel this is kind of like a pay this is probably gonna be a painful episode for people it's yes like, i get it i see i see it and i know that you think that if you work harder and if your people work harder uh, and if they'll just bite down on the bit and go farther this will all, you know, you'll come out the other side because that's what's always happened. And it's like, I don't know that that's true. And I think that the earlier 
we figure that out, the earlier we can make adjustments that will stop our team from burning out. And ultimately, the better off we'll come out. There's, uh, there are going to be people who are not going to recognize this yes. until their team has quit. Mm -hmm. And now they're down three people instead of one person. You know what I mean? And, and, and morale is really low and people are really tired. Yeah. And it's almost like, um, it's like there's a marathon, a starting gun, and you think it's a half marathon, but it's not. It's a whole marathon. Well, the quicker you realize it's a whole marathon and back your pace down, the better off you're going to be. Right. Because if you go out like a maniac for the first three miles and you use up all your energy, uh, it's going to be a horrible trudge to the end. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and that's 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 kind of where I think a lot of us are is I think we're around the half half marathon point. Um, are you going to keep running your, your half marathon pace or, or are we going to back down and run a marathon pace that's going to keep everybody together? Well, and I think the very painful place that a lot of us are coming to is the reality that every single one of us, every single clinic has a capacity. Yeah. And, and where we hit that capacity is different for every single clinic, but every single one of us has a capacity. And if, beyond going beyond that capacity once or twice here and there during the summer, a couple weeks at a time, that's different. We have been running this marathon at full speed for a almost a year now for a lot of us. And we've moved well beyond the capacity. And so there yeah. are consequences to that. We know that the stress goes up. We know that everybody's happiness and satisfaction with their job goes down. I have employees who love their job who really are struggling right now because they're like, it's not, it's not fun. It's overwhelming every single day. And that's that sustained overcapacity is significantly impactful. We know that the patient care yeah. goes down. How many of us have caught ourselves going, we cut corners today? We, yeah. That pet didn't get to go out for a, a walk or it didn't get all of the post-op temperatures because we just didn't have enough people or eyes on them. You know, we know that we we miss putting charges in the computer. The revenue goes down. There There is an impact, uh, least of all, which is the staff, you know, retention rate and morale that comes with working beyond our capacity on a sustained basis. And that's where a lot of us are. There, I, I love that. I, there is a capacity, right? The um, we, you as a doctor, as a technician, can see a certain number of pets in a day, mm -hmm. and be kind, and be patient, and be focused, and do a good job, and work that pet that patient up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And practice the level of medicine that you want. When you reach that capacity, you can push on it, as you said, but like. But you're going to cut corners. You are not going to work them up or you're not going to be as patient because you're trying to move fast or you're more stressed. And so you are not communicating in as kind a manner with your staff as you should be. And like that, that's just true. And you know what? That's fine sometimes. Like sometimes we just get it done. Sometimes we work and we work superhuman and our cortisol level goes up and we don't have the most fun. But we get it done. And that's fine. Um, but to your point, it's not sustainable, right? Like if every day you're cutting corners and every day you're not working patients up the way that you, you want to, uh, it, it, it takes, and every day you're not nice because you're stressed and you're overwhelmed. It, 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 
takes a toll. And we see it in the financials of a practice too, right? As practice volume goes up, the average client transaction goes down, which means we're not providing the services for the patients that we normally would provide because we have too many of them. Mm-hmm. So capacity, capacity is, 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 is limited. And as you push past capacity again and again and again, one of the things that drops is re- staff retention rate. Like people don't want to work beyond their capacity every day. Like it, it does take a toll and stress, to stress them out. So you can't, you can't see all the pets, but my, my goal in all of this is to really try to hammer home the message for people that the goal in practice cannot be to see all the pets or to make all the people happy. Like it, it, that is a goal that you, that's when you look down the line and go, this is never going to happen. Like it's just, it just, there's just too many. There's just too much. And it's hard to hire people. So I can't just scale up to meet the demand. Right. And if I work my people until they're miserable and they quit, now I'm working more shorthanded than before. And the pile is even more overwhelming. Yep. So you can't see all the pets and you can't make all the people happy. The goal should be to do good work that is rewarding and that you are proud of while setting and meeting realistic expectations of clients. I think that that is the goal of vet practice. Say, I am proud of the way I worked with that case. I did good work and I did a good job. And uh, and my staff did a good work and a good job. And the expectations of the client were set reasonably and then met. Yeah. And like, if that's what you do, you should work your ass off. And yeah. You should go home and you should feel good about the work that you did today. And you should rest so that you can do it again tomorrow. And that's that's success. And I I think that that's, that's a hard... I agree with you 100%. And I think it is very, very hard to take a majority of people who are overachieving perfectionists and get them to feel comfortable with that being the goal because they feel bad. Someone is left behind. And there's this mentality um, unconsciously, I think, for so many, I would say the vast majority of veterinarians and veterinary students that I've ever met of, uh, you know, whether they know it or not, this, no, you know, the, the military has the no, no man left behind. It's that same thing. It's like, no, well, if a pet needs our help, we need to help them. No, no pet left behind. The reality is we can't help everybody. We, we, we can't. And that is, that is something that I think we have to really honestly and openly grapple with on a personal level but also on a team level for our practices like at the end of the day for us to go home and feel like we did good work and we still have something left in the tank to give the next day that's that's we need to figure out what that is and that's where I said in the beginning it's individual and it's different for every practice and but you got to find that spot right it it, you know it goes back in a lot of ways to what we talked about last week when we talked about clicks in the practice mm-hmm. and we talked about short term rewards versus longer term rewards. And so we were talking specifically about um, when doctors have their technician, the one person that they work with. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, in the short term, this makes a ton of sense because today is going to be really good because I'm working with this person who is the most skilled technician that we have and they know what I want and my day is going to go great. 
in the long term, it's bad because the rest of the staff isn't learning and they're not getting to know me. And if my great technician that I'm grabbed onto leaves, goes to another practice, moves away, retires, whatever. Right. Then I'm looking around and, you know, and, and no one else has been trained and brought up. And the other thing is people with those potential have left and gone to other places where they were going to get opportunities. And so the immediate short term thing uh, makes sense of I had a better day and I got a lot of great stuff done. But the longer term thing is I undermined the the practice. I bring that up because that is really what we're talking about here. The immediate right in front of your face view is I saw all the pets today. Mm -hmm. There were no pets that were left behind. There was no one that was turned away. The long term view is <laughs> I saw all the pets and no one were left behind and no one were turned away. And then my staff burned out and they quit. And now I have one doctor instead of three doctors because they went to other places where the workload was more manageable and they weren't burning out. You know what I mean? And I see a fraction of the pets that I would have seen had I backed off. Yes. And run a more sustainable level of, of business. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so it's that it's that looking at today versus trying to zoom out and look at the picture. And I talk about this a lot. I don't want you to have a good year. I want you to have a good career. Right. And your career is going to be a lot longer than if, um, you know, if um, then if you push yourself as hard as you can go. Yeah. This feels like a good spot to uh, to take a break for a minute and then th then come back and talk about how do we how do we solve this problem? Yeah, let's do. Hey, everybody, it's Stephanie, and I have to jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that is coming up. You need to know about it, not because I am leading it, but because it is going to be awesome. And I'm so looking forward to having your participation in the workshop. It is called Communication Foundations. It is happening on Sunday, November 7th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, which is 1 to 3 p.m. Pacific. It is $99 for the public. If you are an Uncharted member, log in when you register and you get it for free. And um, we are going to be diving into the idea that we can find common ground with anyone, anywhere, at any time, whether the communication is personal or professional. It just takes a really strong foundation in communication. So we're going to talk about some fundamentals and then we're going to dive into a style of communication that when I learned about it early on in my vet med career, it was a game changer. And I'm super pumped to nerd out on this one with you guys. So if you are enjoying today's podcast, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out the Communication Foundation's class information. Sign up. I would love to see you there. Now back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. All right, let's start talking about some action steps, right? Yes. So, so here we are. We're in this. We're going to keep trying to hire, and uh, we'll keep working on that. And we have accepted, hopefully, that our strategy cannot be hope and pray that we get six new hires <laughs> in the next month right. after getting zero for the last 12 months. Right. Well, and that because right. not only not only is that they don't just fall out of the sky, but also what would you even do with them if you had six of them at once? Like, right. are you prepared to train six people at once? Not many clinics are. So yeah. be careful what you wish for, right? Like that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about setting ourselves up for success. Okay. Right. I, I guess what, what we're really sort of talking about is, is setting ourselves up, running the business shorthanded. Yep. You know, in a sustainable way. Yep. All right. 
So let's put that on the table. Okay. Where do we start? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't, I, I guess, I guess for, for me, there are some things that are, are short term that can help us. But for me, a lot of this is long term, bigger picture planning. Like it's not stuff mm. that is going to easily be changeable overnight. The one thing I would say that is immediately within every single listener's hands, if you're a practice owner, a practice manager, it is within your capacity to change right now is the fact that we are we are trying to see too many pets and you have to stop it. And how you stop it could look different in every practice, whether that's cutting back your hours, cutting back appointments, not seeing as many drop-offs, putting caps on things. Those are all things that you can immediately implement in your practice that can have a huge impact. The right solution for every practice is going to feel different. And it may be one of those things. It may be a combination. It may be all of those things. Um, But changing the way in which we are scheduling is the, I think, the most immediate and easy thing that we could try and tackle. I I, compl- I completely agree. It's um it's the first place to to get some breathing room. We've got to we've got to figure out what is what is our capacity. You know mm-hmm. what what can what can we handle, and uh, then we have to 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 cap it. And this is where people this is where people push back uh, when I talk about this, and that that's okay. Uh, what they say is, I can't cap it. I need to see all these pets to pay our bills. And what I say is, if your business model requires you to see more patients than you can physically see, your practice is destined for failure. Yes. It, it is. Yes. And there's only one thing that you can do, and that's raise your prices. You know, if if your financial survival requires you seeing more patients than can be seen, uh, you, you know, that's not a complicated problem. You go, well, that can't, it can't be done. And so we have to make more money on the patients that we see and then work to capacity. And so, yeah, if you're feeling that way, it, it's time to, it's time to change prices. We cannot support, um, you know, uh, uh, if you've got two vets, and they need to see the caseload of four vets in order for your practice to survive. That's not a viable business model, right? And, and like, and we have got to do the thing that we've got to do, and that is adjust our prices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and, and set that's that set our schedule to a sustainable level, and then adjust prices to make that schedule work. Yeah, I think the other thing, unrelating to the patient and client schedule, that you have to take a hard look at is you have to take a hard look at what your team's schedule is. And if you have always traditionally scheduled your team on an eight-hour model, and now a lot of days or the majority of the days they're working ten-hour shifts instead of eight, and you might be paying them the overtime, but expecting them to change from an eight-hour shift to a ten-hour shift without having a conversation and actually asking them, how do you feel about this? Are you willing to do this? Do you want to do this? Is so presumptuous and so unfair as a, as an employer. And that's where I think a lot of us have a really, a really hard job, but also one that is very easy, which is to take a hard look at how we're scheduling our team. This has been something I have been grappling with in the practice over the last few months is that we've had more and more days where my team works uh, alternate work weekend. They work four tens, but there are a lot of days where they're there 
11 or 12 hour days. And it's not fair to ask them to do that without getting their buy-in. And so I think the flip side of that is not only do we have to look at the patient schedule and what are we taking in that is causing and impacting the staff schedule to also be changed. Um, because yeah. that's 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 a huge part of it. You know, our patients and our clients are a phenomenal resource, but the single greatest resource we have in our practice is our team. And if we don't take care of them, if we create scarcity, not and none of us are intentionally going, I'm going to be the monster boss who's going to make everybody work 12 hour shifts and give nobody pee breaks and be awful. I'm not in any way saying that because I know that that is not the intention in which the majority of veterinary medicine works, but it's an unintentional outcome. And if we don't take a hard look at our our own responsibility in that as managers, as practice owners, then we are only going to continue to fail our teams. Yeah, again, we say this all the time. If you're surprised by something again and again and again, at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business model. Mm -hmm. You know, and, mm -hmm. and I don't mean it to be critical because these things happen. And again, uh, let's go back to assuming good intent. You know, I think a lot of us, we we really imagine getting out on time and right. getting people out <laughs> on time. Like we really, and we plan on it and it just never quite happens. Um, it's easy to keep telling ourselves that we'll we'll try harder next time. Right. At some point, we just have to zoom out and say, it's just not happening. And we we just need to talk about it. Because you're exactly right. It's, um, you know, how do you build resentment? It's uh, a failure to set expectations. You know, it's um, if you're like, oh, she knows that she might be here 12 hours. If she believes that she's supposed to be there 10 hours and she's angry every time she's there 12 and you feel like she's probably fine because she must know it coming by now. Right. Uh, you you guys are doing different things and, and this is going to come to a head. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm not. I am all about throwing in and working hard and getting things done. But at some point you have got to raise your head and look around and say, what is true? This person is working 12 hour shifts on the regular. And I do not honestly see that changing. I want it to change. I don't know what's going to magically make this stop happening. Mm -hmm. And so let's address it and talk about it. And she might say, I love it. I love the overtime. It's not a big deal. You know, I'll take those hours and that's great. Or she might say, I hate it. And my husband and I fight every single night that I come home. Yeah. And it's awful. And I'm about to, like, I was literally going to quit tomorrow. You know, those things, I've had those conversations. They're not fun, but I'm glad that we had them. Well, and in terms of saving your practice and looking at this from a, from a long-term play, the most powerful weapon you have is information. And if you don't go asking the questions, you won't have the information. So I think that's that's a that's a long-term thing, but it's also something we can do in the short term is to sit down with the team and and ask them individually. Like you can have the conversation at a team meeting too, but individually there has to be safety and space for them to say, yeah, this is affecting my marriage or this is affecting my home life or whatever their response is. Um because you you care about them. And if you don't create that safety and space, you're not going to get the information. And that information is powerful because yeah. it, you know, if you know that you have, you know, one of the brightest stars on your team who is burning out, you care enough about them to, to do something about it. I, I've met very few people in veterinary medicine 
who wouldn't change something to stop that from happening. And so, you know, that that's where we have to we have to be open and honest and and a little bit vulnerable. And it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say to your team, hey, guys, I feel really crappy because I've I've sat down and I've looked at this and I realized that I have unintentionally been making this worse. That's a crappy place to to be. But it is there is so much freedom in the vulnerability of sharing with your team that you are not infallible, that you recognize that you have hurt them or harmed them unintentionally as it may have been, but that they are impacted by it. Because I can tell you having those conversations, the team is going to, they are going to rally and they are going to, they're going to, they're going to be open and they're going to be honest back. If you give them that, they're going to, they're going to cup it and they're going to give it back to you in spades. And so it is well worth the payoff to figure out how do you guys work together? Because you can't solve this problem by yourself. You can't, uh, is, I don't care whether you're a practice owner or not, it, this has to be a whole team team effort and they have to have input and, and they yeah. have to have buy-in. Yeah, I agree. Working uh, to increase the versatility of your team is another mm-hmm. uh, shortcut that, that helps a lot, right? And uh, yeah, we're busy, but ta- I, and just, this is just I, something I enjoy, just talking through what I'm doing with my techs with with my assistants, you know, with the CSRs that are around or helping me do different things. Yes. Is is worth my time. Yep. Because ultimately I want to grow their knowledge to the point that they can do more things or that they're comfortable doing more things. Absolutely. And it's amazing how often we just we decide what people's jobs are and that's what their jobs are and let's go. And there's benefit to that. I'm not talking about losing clarity in what people's responsibilities are. At the same time, especially with my assistants, the more that I can get them into the headspace of vet medicine, the more I can understand what I'm doing, the more that I can give them tips on animal restraint, you know what I mean, on let them know what's coming next and where this case goes. Uh, Those things help me because what I'm trying to do is coach them towards anticipating what's going to be needed and just being more useful team members. And they, they... they're not going to figure it out on their on their own, and, and it's not something I'm not, I'm not scheduling time on the calendar to be like, let's do this training. We do that, and that's great. But just coaching as I go is yeah. something that does pay benefits in the long term because I can take the people that I have, especially the people who don't have technical training, and I can make them valuable for me. And that ties into the other part of of delegation. So ongoing training is really important. But delegation, here's the thing. A lot of us say, I need more people. I need more technicians. But if I if I say to them, why? Tell me why. And they're like, because we have too much work. And I'm saying, well, what ex- exactly what work do you need them to do? Uh, sometimes people struggle with that. Sometimes, you know? And the reason I ask those questions and I push into that a little bit is there may be things that we can delegate without hiring a new person. Or there may be things that I can use a current assistant to do. And I know this has been something, I don't say it's administrative work. Um, Man, if you've got a sharp kennel tech who can do uh, whatever the administrative thing is you need done, you know, let's talk about that. You know, let's leverage that. Mm -hmm. You know, finding, finding vet techs is real hard. If there are parts of the vet tech job that can be done by um, a customer service person, maybe they're not nearly as hard to find, you know, maybe there are things that I can outsource, uh, you know, and have somebody even work from home and do, you know what I mean? Like, but, but I can't, I can't explore those options until I really have my hands around what I need to get done. 
Yes. So that that is what part that I push when when we can't hire. I would say, okay, you're trying to hire for this whole job description. One alternative is slam that job description down on the t- ground so it shatters into ba- into pieces and then see if you can distribute the pieces. See if you can, you know, get someone part-time to do some of the pieces. Uh, you know what I mean? And just see if I can spread that work around in alternative ways that have traditionally been one person coming in in a well-known role. Well, I may have, you know, three people who are all working virtually, you know, but, but I'm getting uh, a, a chunk of this work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think going back to, um, you know, the comment that you made about working with the team on the fly and, um, and teaching them things that may not be part of their normal role. I think that that's so, so smart. And there's a million opportunities throughout every single day that, that, um, we sometimes miss to do those simple things and be like, here, let me show you what I'm doing. And not just the doctors training down, but training side to side and laterally across the team. Like, Hey, as a CSR, I know how to do this thing. I'm going to show you fellow CSR who's never been shown how to do this thing. I'm going to show you how to do it. It does not have to be top down. Um, But I think the other thing that we have to talk about is if, you know, we, we jokingly said, well, uh, you know, (laughs) if, if six people drop out of the sky, what, what do you even do with them? I think that's a big part of the problem that I I see. And with a lot of the messages that we've gotten, people are like, well, now I've hired, but I've hired all green people because there are not vet techs mm-hmm. just dropping out of the sky, right? Like they, we have to make them. So we are choosing to hire inexperienced, good people. We're hiring for fit. We're hiring for culture. We're hiring for personality because I can't teach all of those things, but I can teach vet med. So now I've got new people that have no idea what they're doing. And we just turn them loose because we don't have a plan. And we're hoping that we can just teach them how not to think. And that is also a great disservice that we're doing to not only them as individuals, but to the the team as a whole. We have to set aside the time and energy and a plan to train all of those new people. Or for every four you hire, you're going to lose two or three of them within the first year. Like if you just throw them all in the deep end, somebody is going to drown. There has to be a plan to for how you're going to work with them. And I hate to say it, but that plan is affected by the fact that you, if you plan to try and do that and see all of the pets, it's never going to happen. You have to scale back to a degree and have a plan for how that person is going to be supported and what the step-by-step is to get them integrated into the team. Because I will tell you, if you step back and you put that plan into place and on the short term, you make sacrifices, it goes back exactly to what you were saying, Andy, about if you burn everybody out, then you see a fraction of the pets that you could have seen with the team you had in the beginning. There are unintended consequences when you're talking about training the team. If we go you know, just piecemeal and try and figure it out and keep people from drowning. And we churn three out of the four that we hire, that has such a significantly higher impact in the long run than it does to say, hey, we're going to not see patients for the last two hours of the day, two days a week. And we're going to work on this whole list of skills and we're going to bang these out and we're going to do it over the next month. And then we're, you know, four weeks later, we're going to have a much more highly trained person than we did four weeks ago. Right. You know, that that sort of brings me to the last point that, that I would kind of make on this and, and trying to sort of navigate these waters. Um, are you trapped inside the box in your decision making? 
or are you able to get outside of it and really look around? Mm -hmm. And so I'll give you an example of trapped inside the box. Um, I had this case come in and it was this dog and it had a, uh, a mass on its back leg and I aspirated it and it just didn't exfoliate at all. Like I just didn't get, I didn't get anything out of mm -hmm. it. And so I said, you know, I said that to the owner and I talked to him about what it meant and what the, what it, what it could conceivably be. And, and the owner said, well, let's, let's take chest x-rays. They agreed to that. Well, it's 545 and we close at six and I walked back in the back and the x-ray machine's already been shut down. And I said, well, the x-ray machine shut down. I said, huh? Well, how long would it take to get the x-ray machine turned on if we wanted to do this? And then I said to my technician, could you stay a little bit late and help me do this? And she said, no, but Nikki can. And Nikki was like, I could, but I have to call my husband and he would have to stop at the grocery store on the way home to get dinner. And it, like, and it just kept going. Sure. You know, of, of yeah. like all the things that would have to happen to do this. And it's so easy to be in this get the next thing done, get the next thing done, get the next thing done mindset right. that you're like, do it, let's go and move this and reschedule that and do this and let's get this thing turned on. And at some point you go, this is insane. <laughs> this yeah. is insane. And so you, I went back to the person and said, listen, we the x-ray machine is shut down. I'm not going to have the staff to do this tonight. Let's pick a time in the next couple of days that's convenient for you and come in and we're going to get these things done. Mm -hmm. And they said, fine. And I sent them away and we all went home on time. And Nikki did not have to call her husband and ask him to go to the grocery store. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, just didn't do that stuff. Yep. And that may sound like a stupid story, but I cannot tell you how often, how easy it is to just be like myopic and say, we have got to do these x-rays. And the idea of not doing them right now tonight just doesn't seem, doesn't seem legal. Right. You know? Right. It's like, we, we, we can't just not do it. And then somebody would even hear the story I said, and goes, oh, but Andy, you made those people wait to find out. I was like, yes, I did. That's that's boundaries. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's the unfortunate part of boundaries is sometimes people have to wait because I'm not keeping my staff here. We're going home. Right. And, you know, and again, it's, it's sort of one of those funny perspective things, too, where it's easy to empathize with the pet owner and say, well, that you should, you know, you should have stayed and done that. This was important to them. They had to, they worried about their pet. And I go, well, that's true. That's pretty much exactly like everyone who comes into the emergency clinic, you know, who is every one of them is having the worst day of their year possibly the worst day of, you know, of their adult life. And for them, this is a horrible, terrible emergency once in a lifetime thing. Mm -hmm. But for the emergency vet, it's all night, every right. night. It's mm -hmm. another appointment. And we're the emergency vet. Right. Which means if we are dictated by the experience of the client, we will never sleep and we will never go home. Yeah. And we will burn out. Yeah. And so part of boundaries is saying, I know. I'm making this choice for me and I'm making this choice for my team. Yeah. And so that is outside the box thinking and saying, come back, come back in the next couple of days and we'll get these x-rays done. Yeah. And here's the other thing too, if it makes you feel better, you better believe if you went to your primary care doctor <laughs> and they said, you know what, maybe we should get some chest x-rays. They're not going to stay like, right. ain't nobody <laughs> taking you directly into the back. You know what I mean? And nurse yeah. Carol's not calling her husband to send him to the grocery store so they can take x-rays, right? Like, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. They're going to set you up in three weeks from now. Right. You'll get some x-rays, yeah. you know? Um, and they're okay with it. And so we have got to get more in that headspace. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for us to follow human health care. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, I go, 
they do some stuff with boundaries right. that we don't do. Look yeah. at your dentist who's not open on Wednesdays. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. That we need to look at that. And again, like that blows people's mind. We have practices uncharted who absolutely have done that. Mm-hmm. Their team is working themselves to death and they are burning people out. And they were like, hey, it's COVID. Things are crazy. We're closing on Wednesdays. Yeah. And they put up a sign that said, um, uh, well, you know, for, for staff training and, and and wellness and safety and decontamination, we are closed on Wednesdays. Yeah. And they just did it. And people are like, that's not legal. It's like, I promise you it is. <laughs> it's so funny, but it's so it's so true. And I think you're right. I think we have to find the sweet spot. But, you know, not not that we're trying to um, model what human healthcare is doing, but there are great lessons that we could learn from the human healthcare side. And I, I think this is a time to kind of look at some of that, particularly when it comes to boundaries. And I think for me, the last piece of this, um, and this is long, this is a long-term planning part, um, which is why I didn't start with it. But one of the things that you have to do as a manager, you have to look at your team. And if you employ 20 people and each one of them earns two weeks off a year, you need to have someone on your team whose total hours for the year are planned to cover all 20 of those two weeks vacations. Because if your answer is every time someone wants to take a day off, you're just going to work short. You are shooting yourself in the foot before yeah. the before the race starts. Like you're you're taking the starting gun and pointing at your foot and then running the marathon. You and yeah. we and it's amazing how many clinics don't look at that. And and look at that as I will I will solve that bridge when I I will figure out how to cross that bridge when I get to it. And that is a long term planning play that that will only help all of us in this is to look at it because um, that is a fact of running the business. And that's something that we we struggle with in veterinary medicine. And it's where we could absolutely, again, take a take a page from the human healthcare side of things, which is that they're not working short. They have hired teams to to cover that because it's a fundamental business uh, need that we kind of skip over and gloss over in veterinary medicine. No, I agree. All right. So to summarize what we talked about today, uh, hiring difficulties are not going away. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're running your business on the hope and prayer that you will get uh, trained technicians or doctors in, that is a risky gamble and the odds are stacked against you. Uh, right. They, they, they just, they just are. That doesn't yes. mean it won't happen, but it does mean the odds are stacked against you. Everyone needs to be considering, yeah. how do I make this all work if I don't get more help? Yep, absolutely. And that's, that is flipping the problem on its head and saying not, where do I get more help? It's saying, I don't know if I'm going to get more help. What changes do I make? What boundaries do I put in place? What adjustments do I make, including pricing adjustments yeah. that make my business work in the reality that we're living in uh, for the long term, not just for this mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. Cool. That's all I got. Any last words, parting thoughts, Stephanie? Nope. Hopefully we didn't depress everybody too much. But I, you know, I think sometimes it's painful, but sometimes we have to rip off the Band-Aid and talk about mm-hmm. it. You know, like this is not going away. This is not going to change. And before we know it, the summer crazies will be here and then we'll be overwhelmed on top of the normal, the new normal overwhelmed. And so I think it's the kind thing for us to start to talk about this as a field. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, that's how I say it. I don't see it as depressing. It is a hard pill to swallow, but ultimately acceptance brings freedom. Yeah. And to just accept like this is what it is. If I just swallow that and make changes, then then that's empowerment. Mm-hmm. Empowerment totally. is saying, okay, what am I going to do to make this all work for me and for my family and for my staff and for my associates? Like, what what am I going to do? And know that that's okay. Those things are are inbound. You can just say, like the dentists do, we are not taking new clients right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's not uncommon in human healthcare. They right. say it all the time. Try right. to get a primary care doctor. Like, yes. you'll see it all the time. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Like I try to get a primary care doctor, like eighty yeah. percent of people, and finally I got referred, and, and like then I, even then I had to have somebody be like, "Hey, this Andy Rourke guy's okay. You should take him as a client." Like, <laughs> then I get a freaking primary care doctor. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but but it's 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 not a uh, it's a precedent that's, that's out there. So yes. it's okay if you say we are not taking new clients. All that do- and can when we put you on our waiting list, and we'll let you know when we have availability. Like, what a sexy move is that? You know, for like they're like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Like if it can get me in at some point, let give me a call. You know, like it, it's you can do that, yeah. And you can say we're not working on Wednesdays, and you know, and that's just that's just it. We're gonna work four and a half days a week instead of five and a half days a week, and we're gonna make the numbers work. Yeah. And our people are everybody gets Wednesday and Sunday off, you know, yeah. and 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 Saturday afternoon. I mean, I, I don't know, yeah. But like those things are all in bounds, so. Don't go away from this feeling down like uh, Andy and Stephanie said, it's hopeless. We did not say it was hopeless. <laughs> we're saying we're we are giving you a problem that you have great power over. Yes. And and it's purely up to you just to figure out how, how you want to address it. So you is giving you the power back. Yeah. Hoping that uh, someone shows up and takes your job. That's not a power. That's nothing you control. Figuring out how you're going to work your schedule and how you're going to do your pricing and how you're going to do your training. Those are all 100 percent. Uh, knobs that you get to turn. And so you should feel good about that. Yep. Cool. Awesome, Steph. Thanks again for uh, for being here. Have a fantastic week, you guys. Take care. See you, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We truly enjoy spending part of our week with you. As always, Andy and I enjoyed getting into this topic. Um, I have a tiny little favorite ask, actually two of them. One is if you can go to wherever you source your podcasts from and hit the review button and leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback and knowing what you think of the podcast. And number two, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.